book of Matthew, chapter 11. We begin to read in verse 28, and it's a familiar passage of Scripture this morning. I, I don't think that um, a lot of you haven't seen this verse before, I, but it's basically a precursor to the verses that we're about to read. In, in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, lean, and learn of me, and I will, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And verse 30 says this, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So now let's turn to Luke chapter 7. So straight after these statements were made by Jesus Christ, the following event happens. As you look at the life of Jesus Christ and chronologically uh, sift out which events happened before what. Um, the next, next event, straight after he, he makes these statements, um, it's Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. says this, Luke chapter 7, verse 36, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. In verse 37, Behold a woman in the city which, is a, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Verse 38, look at the humility here. And stood at, the feet, uh, at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. And today, I guess the, the, the sermon as we started 2019, is simply this, preparing for the ordinary. Preparing for the ordinary. As the celebrations of Christmas and New Year's um, begin to subside, and, and basically a lot of people now are, are dealing with a lot of Christmas lights and, and meters upon meters of Christmas lights that I have to put in storage for now till next year. As, they, as the, the, the Christmas decorations, obviously our church hasn't put them down yet, but as the Christmas decorations continue to uh, be put, packed away, put away, the toys that you bought that you thought were going to be used for the rest of 2019 are now placed in a cupboard somewhere. Um, those, those things that you thought were brand new at the end of 2018 are, are now uh, rejuvenated, made better, and there are now more versions of it, and now you're back there. As, as, as life continues on, after some great events that we've had, uh, the celebration of, uh, of Jesus Christ coming to the earth, the celebration of new beginnings in 2000, uh, the, the New Year's Eve celebrations, and, and the awesome time of prayer that we had as a church. Um, it's very easy to, 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 to get into the bandwagon again and, and just get into the, the, the same rut that we did last year. Um, a lot of us, if not all of us, um, some of us have already returned to work, and so you've done... Um, many shifts already. It's only the 6th of 2019. And it's so easy for us as, as Christians and even just as people to just get back into the rut and say, okay, what am I going to do next? How am I going to do this? Um, okay, I have work tomorrow, so I need to get this, to bed this time, and I have to wake up this, this early. And because it's still school break, I can still, still get on the roads and not have traffic. 
and I'll have that freedom for the next couple of weeks. But once February hits and school starts again, it's going to be like this. And what we do is we start planning our year and we start getting to the mode that everything's ordinary again. And today I'd like to just put forth the notion, a thought simply is this, is that, um, that when ordinary things are seen in a different light, they become extraordinary. When this mundane tasks of life are seen in a different perspective, you might start seeing things a little bit differently and actually glorifying God a little bit more with what you have and what you're currently doing. So I just want to encourage you in regards to that this morning. And as we read in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, as, God, as, as Jesus Christ was conveying to those that were following him, hey, um, my, call, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He was not implying about the physical labor. He wasn't I- I- implying simply about what you're doing with your life. Basically, what he was talking about, the context of that verse, it was his, um, he, was, he was telling the people that the law isn't it. He was telling the people that were, were so under the law and, and trying to keep the law and, and, and saying to themselves, you know, in order for me to, to appease God, in order for me to, to get to heaven, I got to keep the law. And what Jesus Christ was saying, hey, even though that, the, that law is good and those things are, are rightfully so in some areas, come unto me, my, my burden's lighter. And he was saying that in that context. And so when we read the verses that happens after it, we start understanding the notion that this lady, this woman, this sinner, struggling to, to keep her head above water. Why? Because she's trying to fulfill all the expectations that the, that the religious people told her to expect. And maybe, just maybe, she heard the call of Jesus and, and she turned around and said, you know what, Jesus said that I can, I can go to him and, and his burden is light and, 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 and I don't need to be under this bondage of, of the law anymore. I can go unto him and he can help me out. And here we have this story, amazing story. And if you like to write notes, it's simply this first point is this. There was a preparation made for Jesus. There was a preparation made for Jesus. And as we prepare for the ordinary, as we get back into the rut of life, so to speak, as we go to work, there needs to be a preparation in order for us to, to see that in a different light. I'll give you an example. Um, have you ever made popcorn at home? And you put that thing in the microwave. And for our microwave, it's actually 2 minutes and 20 seconds. All right? So if you're ever at my house and want to make popcorn, 2 minutes, 20 seconds. Put that there. What happens is that the, the smell of the popcorn, it spreads through the house. And you, you're sitting there and you're like, it smells good. It smells great. It's over there. What, what's it doing? It's sort of drawing you. I'm going to go there. I'm going to have some popcorn. Some of you are thinking about popcorn right now. You know, when you come to church, you've got to be preparing for yourself to come to church. It's true. The, 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 the swimmer that we sent off to the Olympics, we, we don't just pick them out of nowhere. And they just, oh, okay, you're, you're a normal worker here. Okay, you're going to go swim for Australia. That doesn't happen like that, even though it seems like it sometimes when we lose. No, they, they train. They, they prepare. And why is it that the, the secular world can prepare for something. And as Christians, we can just think that we can come to church and everything will be sweet without any preparation of this. 
And that's why it's so beautiful for us to pray and praise God this morning. It wasn't really merely just for, for us giving lip service to God. It was preparing this. It was for allowing us to see that, hey, there needs to be a preparation of the heart. So when I get to church, I don't need to prepare there. I'm already set, ready to go. And I've seen that this morning as I, I walked through the church and I, I said hello to some of the people. Man, you guys feel, filled with the Spirit, just happy. Man, I'm excited. Other people just woke up so good. Thank you for coming to church. But there needs to be a preparation. There needs to be a preparation for Jesus. And we'll see here in verse 37, it says, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, look at this phrase, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. There was a preparation. Now, I know um, a lot of us, we, we, we're not really familiar with, the, uh, with that culture, with the, the customs of the day, but simply it was this. The table wasn't up over here, and you didn't sit up upright just like this. It was, the table was, was set really low, and um, basically you sat on the floor. And some of us, if you, you were in primary school, you sat on the floor, you crossed your legs, right? Um, it, that wasn't the case back then. So when they ate at meat, they, they sat on the floor, but their, their legs were kicked out behind them. So you sort of see them on their side. And so when you picture that when, um, when the, the beloved disciple leaned against Jesus' breast, it's very possible that they were sitting in that position, right? And so they'll lean on the table whilst they ate, and their feet will be behind them. And you have to understand that when, when someone entered into the room, right, there would be the table there, and the important people would sit around the table and they begin to eat. But interestingly, it wasn't a closed room. So, so someone, um, a commoner per se, would come around and, and they would stand outside this, this room, not, not outside the room, but around the table, whilst the, the important men were speaking, they would listen in to the conversation. It's almost like you're, you're watching this unfold. And here you have Jesus Christ in Simon the Pharisee's house. He's sitting at eat. And this lady finds out, a sinner. This, this, this statement, a sinner, often refers to the lady being um, not a graceful person, a harlot, a prostitute. They refer to that. And so what would happen is that now, now this public people would just gather around and listen to the conversations of what the masters had to say and and they're there, and, and here their preparation has been made for Jesus. And understand this, because she was a sinner, that would be the furthest place you'd like to go, a Pharisee's house. Have you ever thought about that? She in herself knew that that place was a, a place of judgment. She knew that if she would go to that place, she would be ridiculed. She would be um, convicted of, of certain crimes that she has committed. And ultimately, she could be judged for her wrong actions. But apart from that, when she knew that Jesus Christ was there, she went. She went when she was prepared. Secondly, simply this, this morning, there was a public declaration made for Jesus. Firstly, there was a preparation made for Jesus, but then there was a public declaration. What she did, she didn't do it in private. That's what's so funny sometimes. Like, you'd speak to someone a certain way at church, 
but then when you're at home, you speak bad about them, right? You, you, you'd like to, what, what, what do we call that in, in, in nowadays? We call that two-faced, right? We talk about how we have a certain face here at church, and then at home we're a different person. We're just pretending. And what am I trying to get at this morning? This lady, she wasn't pretending. She, she went in, she was prepared. When she saw Jesus, it was a public declaration made for Jesus. In verse 38, Luke chapter 7, verse 38, you're doing well today. Verse 38 says this, and stood at his feet. Remember, she, her back was against the wall. She's behind Jesus, so the feet was accessible. Stood behind Jesus, um, at his feet, behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. There was a public declaration made for Jesus Christ, and though we know that the ointment was very expensive, the, dis- the, the scriptures don't, don't, doesn't actually state whether the woman was rich or poor, but rather it focused on her desire to glorify Christ. It focused on her desire of, of humbling herself. Understand that she cannot wipe her hair on his feet standing up. There was a physical laying down, humbling, while she wiped her hair on his feet. And it wasn't even on his head. He was on his feet. And as you see, as as you sort of picture in your mind, everyone in the room could smell, like the popcorn, I'm telling you, smelling in their nostrils this ointment. Uh, Hey, this is not chicken. This is not sirloin steak. This is ointment. And as they look around, notice that Jesus doesn't, doesn't acknowledge her when she's doing this, by the way. It's interesting read. Jesus doesn't acknowledge her, but everybody in their mind understands what's going on. They could smell it. They could see it. There was a public declaration. Thirdly, there was a private thought addressed. There was a private thought addressed. We're going through this really quickly this morning. I want you guys to see this and then apply it so that we can continue on with the service. The private thought addressed in verse 39 says this, Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, let's say these three words together, spake, where? Within himself. It's good to open up your Bible because you don't have a Bible in your mind. Amen? Spake within himself. And it says this, after he spake within himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him. For she is a sinner. If you were a real prophet, then, then you know what, buddy? You should have already known that this person's a sinner. You wouldn't let her touch him. No way. You, you understand what she's touched? You, you know where she's been? That's disgusting. He didn't say that outwardly. He said it internally. And the sad thing is, is that as we come to church, sometimes we do this. But inside, we're doing this. And what's happened here is that there's a, there's a private um, conversation that he has with his heart. And this private conversation states, if he was a prophet, he would know who this lady was. He would have put an end to it, stopped it. 
Don't touch me. Who are you? So basically what he's implying in his mind is that this guy, one, is not a prophet. Two, is subvertently doesn't even know who's touching him. So it's no big deal. That's the little conversation that that's showing. But see, there was an addressing of that. Jesus Christ actually did know who she was. Jesus understood the, the pain that she went through. Jesus Christ understood that the sacrifices she needed to make just to be there that day. And you know what? Jesus wanted her to do this. Why? So he could reveal to everybody in that room a brilliant truth about the ordinary and how you can take that that's common and make it something that is so glorifying to God. You say, why do we have to glorify God? Because he deserves it. You give honor where honor is due. Amen? Let's continue on. It says here, it says this, the private thoughts were addressed. Within himself, the Pharisee superimposed his belief. But Jesus knew who she was and wanted her to do what she was doing. And this is where it's so funny because the scriptures show this two-facedness. In verse 40, it says this, And Jesus answering said unto him, Let me ask you a question. Did Simon ask a question? <laughs> no, he didn't. Jesus answered his thought. And it says this, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, what does he say? Master say it on. Master say on. Master is a, a term of endearment. Master is a term of respect. Some honor is given when he said, Master, say on. But inside his heart, he was already denouncing who Jesus Christ was. But with his mouth, he proclaimed that he is Master. You see that, that, how, how different that is? We do this every day, church. We do this sometimes. Whether it's at home, whether it's in school or at work. We say something, but in, internally it's not right. Internally it's not true. And Jesus Christ addressed that. It says this, and now it reminded me of the verse in, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. And I'll, I'll read it for you. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 says this. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and they honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In verse 9, it says, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Isn't that a sad, sobering thought? Jesus reveals the depravity of this Pharisee state by the use of a parable, and it reveals something to him. It says in verse 41, Luke chapter 7, verse 41, and there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell, the, tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Verse 43 is the answer that Simon gives. Simon answered and said, I suppose that he, to whom he had forgave most, and he saith unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. The Pharisee didn't see this coming. Oh, no, well, obviously the, the person that he forgave most would be most thankful. But who owed what? Both of them did. But who, who had money to pay it off? Neither of them did. The truth was that Jesus places Simon, the Pharisee, 
and the sinner in the same circumstance. They're in the same position, and they both need grace. Then they both need grace, and they both need grace. Whether they've forgiven you of 500 pence or 50, you still needed him to pay it off because we cannot pay it off. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? And that's the same with salvation, church. If you're a visitor of our church, we thank you for coming. But you have to understand, when we, we call brother and sister here in church. Why? Because, because we believe we're in the family of God. And you cannot pay to get into that family, my friend. You cannot pay for eternal life. And you can live your life like what this woman was living, trying to be under the law and saying, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this, i got to be this, i got to come to church, i got to be this person. But the truth is, it's you're placing your faith on Jesus Christ that saves you from your sin. Amen. It is the, beth, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that will, that will save you from your sin, not your church membership. Not your baptism. Not however many times you, you say God in a song doesn't save you from sin. The shed blood of Jesus Christ saves you from sin. From sin. Amen. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There needed to be that payment, that final atonement that was approved by God. And that's through Jesus Christ, my friend. And that's what we're here for. We're here to encourage you. If you're relying on other things... If you're relying on your religion or what someone told you instead of what the Bible said, mercy, you need to, you need to get that straight. Why? Because there's only one way. Amen? There's only one way. And according to here, what we find is that there was a parallel between, um, between the sinner and the Pharisee. But both of them had ought against them, and both had been given mercy. Let's continue on and look in verse 44. Luke chapter 7, verse 44 says this, And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon. Now let's just stop there for a second. All this time she was washing his feet with tears, wiping it off with her hair, and then placing ointment on him. And he didn't signify her. He didn't recognize her yet. And when he turns around and speaks, and supposedly speaks to her, she's actually not talking to her. She's talking to Simon. And this is a bit strange. For me, anyways, as I read the scriptures, I believe every word of God is pure. And so when the, the story tells me that, that Jesus Christ turned to her but spoke to him, it signifies something. And basically, he's speaking to the both of them, and it says here in verse 44, Seest thou this woman? And they're all looking at her. The whole table around him is now looking at this woman. Everyone in the room that was standing, their backs against the wall, watching this unfold, is staring at the woman. And it says here in verse 44, Seest this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears. And wiped them with the hairs of her head. Verse uh, 45. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman since the time I came in. Hath not, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. In verse 46. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. 
but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. He looked at the woman and rebuked the Pharisee. He looked at the woman and said, I want you to have her observe this for a little while. Because you're in your pious state, Pharisee, I want you to see what, what, what gets my attention. Isn't that great? This woman, she did the ordinary. And many times this would be stated through sermons. And if we go through this passage again, the custom that, that a, a household leader or a person that was above the household would need to accomplish when their guests would come. And Jesus Christ actually turns around, looking at the woman, rebukes Simon and says, these are the customs that is required for a guest in your house. You haven't done any of them. So I'm not asking for something extraordinary. I'm not, I'm not, ex, I'm not looking for something that's amazing that will, bang, everything's all sparkly. No, no, I'm asking for you just to do what you're supposed to do, what is required of you. I needed water to wash my feet. You didn't give me that. But this lady, she used her tears. It was personal. Um, usually they would greet each other with a kiss. You didn't even kiss me when I come in. That's all the ladies say, right, when my husband comes back from work. You didn't kiss me when I come in. Are you upset? It's supposed to be funny. Anyways, we continue on. There was no kiss. And she, she ceased not to kiss my feet. It's interesting, like, if you studied anything in regards to the angels, there would be um, an angel covered his eyes. But then there would be also covering the feet. If you ever studied that, look into it. It, it, was a, it was this part that wasn't beautiful. It was a part that wasn't his feet. And during the journeys, you get dirty feet. Now imagine placing your, your tears on that. Your face in the close proximity to someone's dirty feet. Imagine the humility that needs to take place. Imagine the reverence that says, you know what? You are worth this. This is how much I need you. And as she did that, she turns around to Simon. There was no kiss. There was, a, there was no application of ointment. Why? Because Simon felt that he was better than that. Simon felt that he didn't need to do those things. Maybe he was acquainted with Jesus Christ already. Maybe Simon knew the customs of the day. He, he understood what needs to be done, but it was, just a, it was just a small gathering. It's not important. But what it revealed was that Simon didn't esteem Jesus to the level of importance that he should have. Because if you had an important client come to you, you'd act a different way. You'd speak a different way. It's business. Right? If you had a guest at your house, we had a wonderful guest of our house, we didn't leave our house messy. 
we cleaned it up. Why? Because you, you want to give them that respect. You understand, church, this is not, a, this is not an uncommon thing. This was, this was a common custom of the day. This is what you do. Someone comes in, you wash their feet. You get someone to wash their feet. You anoint their head with oil. This, this is common. This is ordinary. He didn't do it. So this woman came. And she took what was ordinary and made it extraordinary. So we say this, it's, it's just Sunday school. You know what? You're, you're changing children's lives. You're changing teenagers' lives. You're changing young adults' lives. You're, 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 you're investing for the future. It's not just Sunday school. You say, oh, it's just, it's just orchestra. Do you, do, you know, do you know how, if, if you were here 10 years ago and we didn't have this, you say, oh, oh big deal. No, it is a big deal. Why? Because that's a, that's, a, that's a generation that we showed the importance of music, how that glorifies God. Praise the Lord for the orchestra. Thank you for, for taking the time on Saturdays to practice while we're at home relaxing somewhere. Well, that's the sacrifices you're making. It's not just orchestra, church. You're serving God. Nursing home ministry, you're serving God. Soul winning outreach ministry, you're serving God. If you're there in, at your workplace and you stand up for truth and what the Bible says, you're serving God. It is not just a mundane thing. It's not just an ordinary thing. You come to your church today, it's, it's, it could be a time where you're glorifying God with your presence. Have you ever thought that? You know, there are people in this church that when I see, I always get happy. You say, why? Because you're relying on, on, on men? No. Because I know this person's faithful. I know that that, that person's going to stand at the back of the door and greet people, and they'll come in, and, and they'll be joyous about it. And we come to church thinking it's just church. It's not just church, church. Because this is not the church. This is the church. Does that make sense? Because we're here building each other up. So don't, don't limit God by not preparing to come to church. Don't limit God when you're singing. You're not singing to the crowd choir. You're singing to the Lord on behalf of the crowd. Us that can't, that can't hold a tune, you're singing for us. But, but aren't you blessed by this? 100% we are blessed. Mercy, I couldn't even hold my, my tears back back then when I heard the, the special. Why? Because he is good. His mercy does endure forever. And I do fail him. And yet he still loves me the same way as he loved me the day I got saved. Isn't that beautiful? Church, that's what we have in Christ. But what we need to do is start seeing it's not just a spectacular missions trip. And I, I agree with mission trips. Mission trips changed my life. But it's the mundane things as you open up the Bible every morning and ask God, God, what do you want me to learn? God, how do you want me to treat my wife? God, how, how do you want me to treat my kids? As you open up the Bible in the evening times and you have Bible time, and yet you sing out of tune, you're asking God, God, what can I bestow to my kids so that when they grow up, they don't need to struggle with life? It's not, it's not extravagant. It's ordinary. 
It's you developing yourself every day. God, how can I bring you more glory today than I did yesterday? Isn't that beautiful? And the good things about New Year's is it oftentimes causes us to evaluate. You know, there's, there's some things I learned a while back um, from Brother Naranjan's class about having a five-year plan, right? You have different plans in the year, different, different avenues of life. And you think to yourself, okay, how am I going? How am I, how am I balancing church and family? How am I balancing school and work? How am I balancing this, this? And sometimes, sometimes we see this. Um, I'm going to say this nicely. Sometimes our expectation of work is here. But our expectation for Christ is down here. Like we, we make grander plans for work and we make grander plans for exceeding in our, in our occupations and what we're going to do with ourselves and but we put little emphasis and little thought about what we're going to do for the Lord in 2019. And I find myself in that position often. But wait, aren't you a... I don't know what you are. <laughs> don't you work for the church? Yeah. But if you're not careful, the mundane starts propelling yourself, and you start forgetting this. You start forgetting what God wanted you to do what God desires from you as a father, as a leader of your house, as what God desires of you as a Christian, as his child. And basically what I want to say this morning is simply this, is that if you take the time to see the person you're doing it for, your ordinary will become extraordinary because he's worth it. See, the Bible has many verses. Ephesians 5.20. Give thanks always for all things, for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Verses like Philippians 4.6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Psalms 107, verse 1, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Psalms 100, and verse, 100, verse 4, and we read the verse, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and in His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, bless His name. Colossians 3, 15 and 17. You can keep going and going, but there needs to be a preparation in order for you to see the ordinary become extraordinary. Do you know the time it takes for you to sit, sit in traffic, one hour? You could probably read three, four chapters of your scriptures. You say, but you can't read when you drive. There's this wonderful thing called a mobile phone. and actually reads to you while you're driving. Do you know you can get through your whole scriptures just by sitting in traffic? I've been there. But the truth is, is we don't maximize our time. So what we do is we put on the news, and nothing wrong with the news per se, but after you hear it on Monday, it's the same thing on, on Friday. And it's, it's just on, there's a cat and a, and a dog that, that found its way back home. That's pretty much it. They have to add those things. 
where we can maximize your time and say, hey, how can I maximize this ordinary thing so I can bring glory to God? Study a verse. Claim a verse in your mind. Memorize scripture. You say, this is all childish things. Yeah, just what, that's what Simon said. Oh, I don't need to do that anymore. I'm already, I'm already elite. Oh, I've reached, I've reached enlightenment. No, no one is. We all need to grow. We all need to take the time of evaluation and say, God, how am I going to glorify you more? And if you've, doing, if you've been doing that, then praise God. You keep at it. You keep growing. Don't get content where you are. You keep going for God. But church, if you're the one that says, I haven't done that, I haven't even thought about the Lord this year, it's, it's good to get started. It's great to get started. And to prepare is that you need to think about what will take place. There needs to be a public declaration of Christ's importance. There needs to be a private thoughts of readjusted. And we need to change our mindset on ourselves to Christ. That's pretty much it. This woman took what was ordinary and gave it an extra and gave it in an extraordinary way. Revelations 4:11, and I'll finish off with this. Revelations chapter 4, verse 11. He's worthy. I was going to say that. He is worthy. He says this in verse 11, Revelations 4:11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. He is worthy. So take the next step. Evaluate yourself. Some of you still on holidays. Praise the Lord. Evaluate. Okay, how can I use this for the Lord? How can I have some time of rest? Nothing wrong with that. How can I grow? Even in this time of rest. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again just for the time. And Lord, just for sharing those verses with me. Lord, as I conveyed them, pray, Lord, that you do far more than what I could ever say. And that the word of God, Lord, will, will stick in the mind of the believer. It will be a, appliers of your word and not just hearers only. Heads bowed and eyes closed as the piano play. I'd just like to ask a question. Um, it's between me and the Lord. I'd like to ask if, if you don't know if you're going to heaven when you die, would you like to know? The Bible's clear. The Bible can show you that you can go to heaven when you die. and It's a, it's a guaranteed promise through Scripture. Is there anyone in this room that would say, um, Pastor EJ, I just, I'd like to get to know a little bit more about salvation. I'm not sure. I'd like to know. Can you just pray for me? If that's you today, just raise your hand. Nobody else is looking around. Feel free to raise your hand. And we can chat to you about what the Bible says. So we understand that we're all sinners. We have, a, we have a sin debt that needs to be paid. And because we have a sin debt, there's a punishment for our sin. And that's eternal separation from God and 
in the lake of fire. That's what the Bible says. But Jesus Christ loves you enough that He came to this earth. He died on the cross for your sin. He didn't just die, He rose again the third day. He was God in the flesh. And what He did was He paid for your sin. And what you need to do this morning, if you're not sure about going to heaven, is by faith receive Him as your Savior. You do that by asking. Thou shalt profess with thine mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. That's what the Bible says, my friend. It's not the church. That's not tradition. That's Scripture. Is there anyone here this morning that would say, Brother EJ, I would like to know more. All right. Pray that's the case. Christian, have you already gotten into the rut of taking things for granted? Say, Brother EJ, could you pray for me? I just got to get some things right. That's me this morning. Thank you for the, ser- for the sermon. Is that you this morning? Just raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see hands there. I see your hand. I see the hand. I see hands everywhere. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we, we are so thankful that you are a gracious and merciful God. Thank you for giving us a time of refreshment, a time of, of renewal. As we begin this year, Father, as those that have placed their hands up and, and asked for prayer, I have nothing special to give them, but Lord, you do. So again, may you just hear their hearts cry this morning, that Father, your name would be glorified through their life. And as they continue on with the year, may it be pleasing to you. May we see a lot of souls saved, your name glorified for eternity. Thank you for who you are, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.